Robert Fenton was born in Ireland, where he studied pharmacy, but then he quickly figured out the pharmacist's life was not for him. In a stint at Big Pharma, he did come to realize the importance of quality and how it's not so easy to live up to what you promised, even as a large company with ample resources. When Robert founded Qualio a decade ago, he already had a remote work approach, which he now describes as local everywhere. Obviously, the world has come to his side over the past couple of years. Qualio's Quality Management System, or EQMS, offering is based on the 12 pillars of quality. It's built for pharma, med device, software as a medical device, and also for cannabis companies. Unlike some of the legacy players, Qualio is used throughout the full life sciences ecosystem, including by labs, CROs, and packaging companies. And although many of the customers listed on Qualio's website are on the smaller side, Robert boasts that a lot of the biggest IPOs of the past year or two are clients, and that some of the big boys who are household names use Qualio too. I'm David Williams, host of the Health Biz Podcast and president of Health Business Group, a strategy consulting firm that helps companies like Qualio develop robust growth plans. Reach out to me, dwilliams at healthbusinessgroup.com to discuss strategy for your company. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to the Health Biz Podcast on your favorite service. Well, Robert Fenton from Qualio, thank you for joining me today on the Health Biz Podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, David. Excited to be here. You know, Qualio looks like a really interesting and cool company, and I want to jump into that in a minute. But first, I want to mm. ask a little bit about what brought you here, um, and yeah. in particular, you know, what was your upbringing like? What, what was your childhood mm. uh, like? And uh, you know, how did it all get started? Yeah, it, it, I love that question, and I ask that question to everybody I kind of meet and we interview as well, because I think people's people's lives are pretty rich, and it always helps you understand where somebody's come from or where they're going. So uh, I'm, I'm from Ireland. Hopefully, you can still pick that up from my accent. I know it's got a little diluted. Over no, it's time. pretty good. You, I'm from I'm from Thank Boston. You. you sound like you're from Boston, so. Yeah, well, there we go. It's uh, slowly moving west, I guess. <laughs> so I grew up. I grew up in Ireland in a small town, and well, I was always fascinated by the the intersection between, um, you know, science and technology. But watched all the you know Discovery Channels, read all the books the kid could get, and I always enjoyed that, and, and kind of followed that through to. Um, the high school equivalent in Ireland, where I was fortunate to, you know, like chemistry and get chosen to represent Ireland internationally in chemistry. Great. But again, it was a really awesome experience at 17 years old. Uh, kept following uh, following that path to studying pharmacy, where I, I studied pharmacy for about five years and then graduated and practiced as a community pharmacist as, for about five months before realizing that it really wasn't the thing that just wasn't right for me. Yeah. Long term. It wasn't where I found, you know, my energy. Uh, thankfully along that path, I had had the opportunity to work in some large pharmaceutical companies where I'd kind of seen, um, how important this promise of quality that these companies make, right? Because these things we put in and on our bodies, we have to trust are safe, that they're effective and they work consistently. That's really what quality is yet as, you know, 20, 21 years old, I was seeing how difficult it was for these companies to make good on that promise. And of course, I had the naivety to believe that big companies have all of their problems figured out. That's why they're big companies. And the big lesson learned was no, things can get more broken as, as complexity and scale increases. So I'd had that experience and um, kind of le leveraging that 
kind of area of, of hobby for me or like liking science and technology had this idea of, well, is there something we can build around this? And that was really the kind of insights that, that led towards building uh, the first versions of Qualio and, and starting down that path. Didn't have enough experience to know how difficult it would, it would be. So I had all that optimism you have when you start out is how hard could this be? You know, I've spotted a problem. I'm just going to solve it. Yeah. Path is never that straightforward. You usually need to have that kind of unbridled optimism and you do. unrealistic yeah. view. Otherwise, nothing would ever get started. So I'm glad that you did it. And sometimes it comes with youth, and sometimes you got the you know the the older folks who still have those ideas uh, as well. But it's been you know we're heading into 2022, so it's been yeah. it's been about a decade uh, mm-hmm. since we got this started. And you know uh, my understanding is that with Qualio, you you already had a kind of a remote first minded, you know, mindset when you were starting yeah. it out. So tell, tell me about how that got going. So when we first started going, I mean, we were a small bootstrapped company, right? So we didn't have, you know, funding, we didn't have any capital to really invest in the business when we got going. So we were, or I was trying to think, well, how can I be scrappy? What can I do to prove this to myself that this is something worth you know, continuing down. So we were trying to find ways to do that and had read some of the books by people like 37 Signals, who later became Basecamp or, yeah, you know, Automatic, some of the early leaders in building a remote work culture. And it resonated with me because it really spoke to be able to recruit people. Yes, outside of the highest cost centers, but really it was about recruiting great people and having this broader ability to find people who resonate with the mission and, and what you do. And that was something that we started with. So when we first launched, there were, um, in 2014, I was in Dublin. We had one other person in Dublin. We had somebody in Italy and we had somebody in Poland. And it was the four of us were the first people to bring it bring it to, to market. And it worked. It worked just as well as, as I think it would have worked if we were all sitting in the office together. So it just kind of naturally evolved as this is a viable way to build a company. And, you know, with that had on over time. And as I read more and got, I got a bit smarter about this, I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, offices are, offices are fine, but they're, they're a really bad solution in a lot of ways to the fundamental problem companies have when you build, build big teams, which is companies want to create belonging, a sense of shared purpose, right? That's what you do to create create a company where people want to be there and where people work well together and four walls and a roof is one way to achieve that because you bring people together but i don't think if we were designing ways to work together today and we didn't have the hang up from the industrial revolution of you know the factory which now became the office yeah. i don't think we would ever design that design it that way so again it's like a first principles view on this and when we decided to really lean in it was you know, it was 2019. We had three tiny offices, as in there was two or three of us who turned yeah. up to these offices just because we felt we should make an right. effort at that. And it, we, we had the worst of both worlds. We, we trialed it for a month and everybody was happier than they'd ever been and more productive, felt more productive than they'd ever been. So we said, screw this. This is this is what we're going all in on this right now. So it's kind of from me like a remote of a first view to being all remote. Yeah. Um, even though the last couple of years we've, 
we started started to shy away from the word remote because yeah. you look it up in the dictionary, it's not a good word. I mean, no. remote is like removed. It doesn't have right? good connotations, does it? It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's, so it's it's a we kind of have to use it because that's the, how yeah. people understand the word. But we we've started this this movement now around we call it being local everywhere, which I think is really is. Yeah. Again, if you take this goal of meaning and belonging. You want people to feel like you, it's, we're a local company no matter where you are. And I think that is a slight mindset shift. Right. But it's a real part of us, you know, what does it look like we've won two or 3,000 people all over the world, right? Yeah. We will feel like we, there's stuff happening no matter where you are. So, you know, you talked a little bit about quality and the reasons for founding the company in the first yeah. place. But I'm, I'm going to ask the ignorant question, which is, you know, people talk about quality, but then you talk about QMS quality management system. What, is, what does that mean? Yeah, so quality management system is the is one way to describe the interrelated set of processes by which you build safe, effective products that work consistently. So it's it's a bit like finance or operations. It goes across the company and it pulls in things like making sure critical documents and records are created and stored and you have audit trails around approvals, making sure the right people are trained for the right jobs and you have data to support that. Being able to show that when your customers have problems, you you looked at those problems and you got to the root cause and you solved it and same for internal problems. We call the we, we have defined what we call the twelve pillars of quality, which are the twelve key internal processes that that matter when it comes to building products, uh, particularly in life sciences that will meet that quality benchmark and will like pass like FDA, you know, yeah. audits or anything like that. So it's sometimes hard to define, but it's it's a pretty it touches so much of how companies operate. Got it. Now, so how does a pharmaceutical or medical device company use a QMS? Um, so they, they use a QMS in some ways similar to how companies outside the industry use quality management systems. But the, the real piece here is, is that in, in, in healthcare, um, the quality management system is basically the tool or set of tools that companies use to deliver on the most important promise that they make to the world, right? Um, it's like the co-equal promise that Hippocratic Oath the doctor takes. The only promise these companies need to make is these products are safe, effective, and they work. And the QMS is the internal set of initiatives to help to make sure this is the case. If you take a, a, a pharmaceutical company maybe making a vaccine, right? How do they know that if the source, there's internal manufacturing issues, it's how they... Um, have those created. It's how to investigate. It's how to work with the manufacturing teams or the distribution company supports to work with and how they bring that together to make sure that, again, this vaccine might be safe, safe or unsafe, need, need, can be given or needs to be recalled. So it's, it's used pretty, pretty similarly. So, you know, we have these things now. You're talking about how the office people had was an outgrowth of the factory and not oh, really right. thinking about it. Then we have these things where we have a lot of as a, like people talk about, like software as a service. Well, we have something and yeah. you deal with the software as a medical device. So then you've got, you yes. know, something that's a that's not a physical product but is still considered a device. So from a QMS standpoint, is that just the same as a medical device or is there something different about software as a medical device versus a medical device? Yeah. Um the answer is it's, it's the same but different. And I think a way to describe that is if you go to that that velocity problem I just described in the software as a medical device world, it's you know, multiplied by 100. And the reason for that is that 
there is this new breed of company being born, right? And it, it's more than just med device. It, it's computational biology. Software is a medical device, yes. You know, machine learning applied to medical image data. Um, the digital therapeutics, right? Some of those are software as a medical device, some aren't. But they're all companies that really operate with a different set of needs, which is that we need to move incredibly quickly and also be able to demonstrate quality. They want to move like a regular software company. And they want to deploy and iterate their products incredibly fast. And that means the complexity of the data they need to handle. If they're going to pass an audit and they need to prove that, yes, this was tested, yes, this was thought through, is incredibly complicated. And an example that might hit make this feel uh, real to people is that you know one of the core tools in the past or legacy tools people would have used to demonstrate that um, maybe there's a download button to download your test results that you take to your doctor. How do you make sure this download button actually pulls down the test results and doesn't corrupt them? That might yeah. need to be tested, right? Um, that that you need to be able to follow through from test results must be available to the actual individual specifications, to the tests that were written, to the test results and the deployment success notifications when you deploy to production. That is, that would be managed in an incredibly complicated spreadsheet or database. And that cripples companies when they're building software products, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what's different for them. It's just way more complicated and being able to move quickly is way more important for them than more traditional companies if they're to be successful. So this is sort of, if I compare it with Facebook, this is move fast, but don't break things. Yeah, yeah, move fast with stable infrastructure um, is, I think, what they moved to, too. But it's just like, this is move quickly and, you know, uh, and do no harm. Yeah, right? qu quickly and yeah. carefully. So that's yeah. good. Now, I notice, okay, so I, I, I understand sort of, you know, pharma, med device, even software as a medical device. But what about cannabis as its own offering? What's that about? Yeah. Um, well, as we know, the world has been changing and cannabis was into a medical product in a lot of parts of the US and parts of the world and now it's being made recreationally available. And with that, this this kind of falls into two different buckets that are part of our broad customer segments. If you look at the FDA, the FDA regulates food products and it also regulates pharmaceutical products. Yeah. So medical grade cannabis is a medical product. It needs, you needs to make sure that it is what it is, you know, um, what's in the, what's in the product is what's in the product and the effects and adverse reactions and all that are known and tracked. So it is part of the, the umbrella of what the FDA and regulatory bodies care about. And what's interesting about it is with the growth in this, um, a really positive thing is this industry now, as it's being brought more into the mainstream is getting much smarter more quickly. And it's amazing the the increase in the number of companies that are, of course, entering this space, but also trying to do this correctly, trying to get ahead of regulation. So it's so that's why it's become an offering that we have is we're just seeing more and more companies in this space really care uh, about getting ahead of any regulations and also from a brand perspective and being able to state, no, like we're, we are doing, you know, we're, 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 what's, we're, we're dropping the old view of this industry, right? We're, we're moving into the 21st century here. Great. Now, if I think about uh, QMS, the normally yeah. in, in life sciences, I normally think about these big players like Sparta or Master yeah. Control that have been around for a while. And when I think about like a disruptive new player, I think mm. about usually Viva because Viva yeah. is sort of in the rest of the pharma companies and that's sort of their approach is kind of validated and then they're coming across. 
how do you position yourself relative to them? Am I, am I thinking about yeah. the right industry or how do you? You, you are, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I would put Viva in a slightly more modern uh, bucket. Okay. Yeah, to, to be clear on that. The biggest difference between all those companies and Qualio is part of it is philosophical, but that's what drives the different product. The entire industry, for some reason, since aspirin was first manufactured in 1897, has always had this idea of this, this pursuit of quality, of proving something is safe, is an opposing force yeah. to business velocity. So product quality, business velocity... Or it's a zero-sum game. Uh, we fundamentally disagreed with that concept, and we believe it's possible to move incredibly quickly at a high velocity while also having high product quality. And everything we build is built around that mindset. We don't sell you FDA reports and audits, and we don't we don't sell you out of fear. And we build our product to actually help the people in our customer companies work well together. And that that's a that might sound at the highest level, not very different, but when it comes to how the product works, when it comes to the experience people have, when it comes to that, like 4 p.m. on a Friday and I wanna go away for the afternoon, will I actually do the thing I need to do or not? It actually makes a pretty enormous different difference. And to like give you an example of that, that is why we've achieved two things no other company has ever been able to achieve, which is we're the first product that gets used across the entire supply chain at scale. So we're used by the medical devices companies and the pharmaceutical companies, but also by the clinical research organizations, the laboratories, the manufacturers, the distribution, the testing, the packaging. We're used by the entire ecosystem of life sciences. That is incredibly important. And we're also the first company to be able to go, um, I won't call it bottoms up. I, I would more describe it as the, it's a little bit the, the opposite of Viva, which is to find the companies who weren't able to afford the big, complicated, slow-moving, cumbersome, yeah. high-cost, low ROI solutions that they have to have because something is better than zero, and actually build and help them get to market quickly and launch and scale. Um, with those two things together, I mean, our business is very, very different, and really, we're not really building a, a product offering that really even competes in our, in our world. Got it. Now, I notice at least a lot of the customers you have listed on your website are on the smaller, you know, more yeah. nimble, agile side. What happens to them? And some, you know, they may aspire at some point to become the big legacy players. Yeah. They, can they stick with you or you got to shuck them off and send them elsewhere? Well, you know, we can't always put all our customer logos on our website, but there, is, there are certain household names building products that a lot of us have put in our arms in the last couple of years that are our customers. So I would, I, I would say that the, we, yes, we started with the earlier stage companies that have the early adopter mindset and really pushed our product to build the things that make us build, that give us the foundation to build something incredible. And, but a lot of those companies are the fastest growing companies in the industry. Um, every... Um, again, not not to name some names, but we've had half a dozen to a dozen of our customers IPO this year. So the some of the most valuable emerging companies in the world in this space are our customers, and that is why we talk about our enterprise strategy is is called grow with our customers. Yeah, because okay. We know a couple of years from now, um, the most exciting companies in the world in this space are possibly already our customers, and that that creates a bridge to bring on the more um, the more established companies who would be more risk averse and slower to move, right? We make it safe for them as a head-on strategy. So last question is about reading. So, um, yeah. you know, have you had a chance to do any uh, any reading and any any books that you would recommend or any anything else that you recommend? So reading for pleasure, uh, it's, I'm, I'm a pretty eclectic 
yeah, a set of tastes yeah, when it comes to, comes to reading. And in fact, we just sent an email to the company. We have this, you know, want, this curiosity value is a really big part of uh, of our company because we have this. We we understand that as as people in the world as fast as it moves today, we can't grow at the speed of experience. We have to find ways to grow faster than we're experiencing the world. So there's a long list of business books and, and professional development books I could share. Yeah. But I'll take a different view on this. I'll go over this is the holidays. People want to read for escapism or right. have fun. I watched the Lincoln Lawyer movie, finally, of Matthew McConaughey in it. So I've started reading the Michael Connelly uh, Lincoln Lawyer series, which is a form of like guilty pleasures, like the sitcom of books, but it's yeah. been fun. And I just got Michael Lewis's book, Boomerang. I'm a big fan of all he's writing. I just bought that. I'm going to read it some, sometime over the holidays as well. Good. Those sound, uh, those sound very good. Well, Robert Fenton, founder and CEO of Qualio, a quality company. Synonymous. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Health Biz Podcast. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.